You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. Before we dive in, we wanted to announce something pretty exciting. We know a lot of you have been asking about the Women on the Road gathering, a weekend event we asked for initial feedback on a few months ago that we're partnering with Van Life Diaries to create. Well, it's happening. The first Women on the Road gathering will be in Taos, New Mexico at the end of this October, the 26th to the 28th, and we're really looking forward to the opportunity to get to meet as many of you as possible while enjoying the outdoors, fun activities, and more. There's no camper required to attend, so whether you currently travel on the road in some way or hope to someday, we're holding this event for you. Head to the link in our show notes to read more details and register. We can't wait to meet you in person. We'll see you there. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Deuter. They've been making technical hiking, backpacking, snow sport, bike, and travel packs German-engineered since 1898 for comfort, fit, and ventilation. And for the last 12 years, Deuter has been making women-specific slimline packs with women's bodies in mind. Stay tuned for later in the episode when I talk with a member of the Deuter team about how they work with women to provide a better fit. Stay equipped for a life of adventure with a durable, comfortably crafted Deuter pack. Find your perfect fit at Deuter.com. That's D-E-U-T-E-R.com. Forest fires, wildfires, the impact they have on the landscape and how the landscape responds after. I've been finding a lot of analogies in the cancer-related stories and interesting and unique parallels between navigating the landscape of cancer and then navigating a landscape that's been impacted by wildfires. I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to the She Explores podcast series, Women on the Road a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. I always appreciate someone's ability to see the beauty in difficult life chapters because we're bound to face challenges we don't think we can overcome. The landscape will burn. The roads will get rocky. Loss will enter our lives. It's a part of being human. But when we take those moments, no matter how large or small, and see what grows from them, It might sound a little trite, but I truly believe that we're creating good in the world where there didn't have to be any. We're making something new. Jennifer Langell is someone who seems to be creating a lot of good through her work. She's a full-time photographer with a background shooting everything from news stories to products to weddings. And most recently, she started a project called Photos That Unite, which centers around those impacted by cancer. For Jennifer, you'll hear that things came together over a couple of years, culminating with her decision to live and off-road in her Jeep for long stints at a time. And it's this life on the road that has not only allowed her project to take place, but her perspective as a traveler has enriched the photography work she's doing now. A little bit of extra goodness that otherwise wouldn't have been there to begin with. But before I get too ahead of the story, here's Jennifer, describing how she got out on the road with her dog Monty to begin with. I just came back from a five-month intensive being out on the road. I began my journey making this a full-time way of life by, it was between November, December of 2017. And then a little two-month pit stop over the winter because winter 
was not very conducive for my setup, which is in the 2017 Jeep Unlimited Rubicon. And as anyone who knows anything about a Wrangler, or even if it's got four doors and a little bit bigger, the life on the road for me entails one of very limited moving space, very limited headroom, and needing to be really flexible. And not minding that my dog's rear end might be in my face on more occasion than once. Wow. And what got you on the road in the first place? Like what made you hop in your Jeep and just head out there? (laughs) You know, well, I imagine everyone has a little bit of balance. I'd like to say that it was this pursuit of adventure. And I feel like that's sort of what everyone expects one to hear. It was a lot of survival. The economy and just the way things were evolving and changing as a full-time photographer in that business in the state of Vermont was really changing. It meant diving into some work that really wasn't true to my heart, but was necessary just to sustain the cost of living in Vermont because that was increasing. Money aside, there was one project Jennifer was particularly drawn to, a gig she secured with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation in 2016. And it was an assignment for about a year, and I was doing day-in-the-life series of women impacted by cancer, most of them either surviving or thriving with breast cancer. And each story just impacted me more significantly than the next. And I'd come back, and I'd start working on, you know, it would be a very busy wedding season, or I would be doing some product photography or and such. And none of it made my heart sing as much as spending that time with those women. So it felt really good and right. And while it didn't pay very much, it just made my heart kind of happy. Meanwhile, Jennifer was looking for ways to save while traveling for a wedding on the West Coast she was photographing. Hotels didn't seem like the best option, but something else did. So to keep it cost-effective, I found I could rent a camper van. And that pretty much was the tipping point. I had four days. I photographed this wedding. I did anything and everything I could in this camper van and discovered really quickly how easy it was for myself to adapt to this tiny little space make it my own, be a productive photographer. I did edits. I maintained. I had other weddings, and I was able to get online and nurture my relationships with my clients that I was returning to when I got back and got me thinking. I'm like, I think I could do this. And my second Jeep was bought thinking that I would be a little bit more adventurous with it. I joked about moving into it. That was a joke. I didn't really think I would actually do that until about fall of last year. By the fall of 2017, the experiences Jennifer had from her time working with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and those she interviewed had impacted her in profound ways, which led to her committing to the work that truly lights her up. One relationship in particular was a catalyst for where she is today. My project had ended with Breast Cancer Research Foundation and had ended in the fall with working with a woman who had metastatic breast cancer and her name was Larissa and the most inspiring human that's come into my life because even though her diagnosis was basically a death sentence they have no cure for metastatic breast cancer to date and the treatments while they can extend and maybe help quality of life ultimately uh women with metastatic breast cancer unfortunately do not survive it and she 
was, had, I think at the time she was just 30 and I think, believe she made it to be 31. She did pass while I was on the road this past May, but she really made you believe that it could happen. And her energy just stuck with me. And when the time came, I reached out to Breast Cancer Research Foundation. I was like, wow, I don't think I can stop wanting to tell these stories. And they were amazing. They're like, go have at it. So I started working on the framework for Photos That Unite as a project to promote awareness for breast cancer, hopefully raise money for Breast Cancer Research Foundation, though you do find that you can't really raise money and support others unless you yourself are in an okay place. So that's been a humbling part to wanting to do work where ultimately my big picture goal in everything that I'm doing is that somehow I'm successful enough so I can give back generously. So we're really working through all of those bits and pieces of completely changing the career away from what I was doing, changing my life dramatically from living in a nice apartment with, you know, nine to five type life, everything in storage and moving myself and my dog into the Jeep and all of it kind of coming to be during the holiday season and ahead of winter. Sometimes I wish there was a more romantic version and I'm like, no, I just felt like I had to do something big and dramatic to change the course of my life if I wanted to have success in the future. And somehow in my mind, I felt that entailed having to stuff everything into storage unit and moving the whole program into a a box with four wheels. Because as I look at the Jeep, it really is like having a gigantic box, like a storage unit with four wheel drive capability. Well, and isn't it interesting too how at different points in our life success takes on such different definitions of like, yeah, success sometimes looks like money, sometimes it looks like following something that you love, sometimes you, you know, trade a little bit of what like you think success might look like later for what you need to do now, like it fluctuates. And I think it could have been so easy to not make that decision and say, well, I've already come this far, I have this apartment, my business is doing okay like I can just continue to optimize and fine-tune it and instead you were like you know I need to make a big change and that's going to mean making some sacrifices living in my car for a little bit and taking on a project that I really really care about a lot and I just I admire that so much okay well I'm just going to take that one and bottle it up then Yeah, please do. Um, So can you give me a rundown? I guess so. I'm so curious about your project. How did you find women to interview? Was that through your work where you were connected with women or did you find them by other means? How did you come to get in touch with all these amazing people? You know, it wasn't as hard. I mean, it was hard at first because, you know, I don't know, a shyness or, uh, I don't know, just when you start something from scratch, you know, just going out for a, f- a few mile run, those, that first few steps, it's like, okay, got to just go and do this. It was a lot like that. And then it really became easy thanks to pretty much social media. I began, uh, reaching out to just my own network and sharing on Facebook that this is what I want to do. And would anyone like to share their story or talk to me about their story? And some folks share the story and then afterwards like, oh, I'm not sure that I really want it as part of the project. And then others are just, I sit there and they just share their story. And afterwards, they're just like, wow, that felt so good. 
I'm just so curious because you've spent a lot of time with people who are deeply involved um, in an intimate way with cancer, both, you know, as, you know, survivors, patients and their families. What do you think it is that makes people feel good about sharing these stories with you or know it or sharing these stories with a project like what you're doing? Yeah, that's such an awesome question, too, because even the last individual that I interviewed uh, just a few weeks ago back in Utah, he just became very emotional. But as he was releasing those emotions and working his way through the story, he was like, wow, I can't believe how good he's like, I talk about this all the time. He's like, but it's been so long since I've just kind of started from the beginning and just kind of released all the energy and emotions that were kind of buried within him to the very end. And here it is going to be going towards something that could help somebody else in their own healing process. And I think that is part of it. I think everyone who has shared a story has a genuine interest in wanting to in some way be there for somebody else that they don't, that they don't know that's going through or potentially going to go through something similar of what they've been through. But uh, I'm hoping that part of what inspires or makes someone feel comfortable to share is that being just compassionate, sincere, honest, I hopefully that comes through when you meet somebody. And uh, I know that when I meet those people, I just, I want more time with them. So, uh, and I love to hear their story. So hopefully maybe they're teaching me those lessons along the way so that I can be somebody that somebody wants to share their story with. Storytelling is just so important and sharing stories, it brings people together from all walks of life. And I think people, generally speaking, if their story in some way could help somebody else, then sharing it feels good. And then that feeling good makes them feel a little bit better and folks dealing with cancer physically and mentally go through cycles and phases where they just feel like the worst of the worst of the worst a a level of awful that unless you've experienced it no one can really really understand and those with true compassion they just simply don't want others to feel alone when they're in that process because you have to go through it And one of the common themes in most of my interviews or short conversations with people impacted by cancer is there's a a level of loneliness. Even though you're surrounded by loved ones and doctors and nurses and people who want to be there for you, you still often feel alone. So in our interviews, I feel like maybe because I am meeting with other people like themselves, that while I'm, I'm just the messenger or the receiver of the story, I feel like I'm the sort of neutral, but in a way I'm connecting them with other people like themselves who have felt exactly how they have felt no matter the cancer that they've been diagnosed with or have had to survive, they've each gone through similar aspects of that process. We'll be back to hear more from Jennifer after this. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Deuter. They've been making technical outdoor packs since 1898 and women-specific slimline packs since 2006. Today, Deuter's product development team for the women-specific line consists of female designers and top athletes from all disciplines and sports. 
Deuter's SL packs are built to provide a better fit for women's bodies than ordinary packs might, with narrower shoulder straps to avoid chafing and a more conical hip belt to create space for women's hip bones. I talked with Becky Marcelliano of the Deuter team about the unique fit of their women's-specific line. We get really positive feedback all the time. You know, a lot of women, they've only ever used a unisex pack or the, you know, hand-me-down from their brother or their boyfriend, and then they try ours for the first time, and it's really this light bulb of, like, backpacking doesn't have to hurt. You know, I don't have to be have bruises on my hips and worried about scrapes and all these things. It just tends to, to fit way better than packs that they've had in the past. So we're always stoked to hear those types of stories. Stay equipped for a life of adventure with a durable, comfortably crafted Deuter pack. Find your perfect fit at Deuter.com. That's D-E-U-T-E-R.com. Forest fires, wildfires, the impact they have on the landscape and how the landscape responds after. I've been finding a lot of analogies in the cancer-related stories and interesting and unique parallels between navigating the landscape of cancer and then navigating a landscape that's been impacted by wildfires or living with wildfires as part of your just your lifestyle. So living with cancer. We're back. And if you live in North America, you're probably well aware of all the forest fires that are prevalent right now. So when Jennifer began to share the story of a young woman, an elite forest fighter in training, it really hit home. Her name is Kalina. She was diagnosed with an aggressive form of ovarian cancer at 22. She was just new to the hotshot crew training, and uh, she was on a job, and they thought she just had had cramps because she's young female, healthy. I mean, she's a hotshot crew in training. So she ended up finding out that it wasn't cramps and she had this incredibly aggressive form of ovarian cancer. But the takeaway from her story was one of just persistence and love. And in my travels, I have found in difficult situations how important it is not to give up just because the going gets tough. And her now husband they had only been dating for all of five months, and now he just found out his brand new girlfriend is, they basically, and this is true for a lot of people with aggressive forms of cancer, depending on their age and their health going in, the treatment is so aggressive at times that they almost kill you to save you from the cancer. And she was one of those cases where she really didn't know whether or not she was going to survive, and she gave him a lot of outs. And I had asked him, I was like, why? Like, why did you stay? Because you were still too, was still too early to know whether or not you loved each other. You were still getting to know one another. And he's like, well, that's just what you do. You don't just, he's like, it's like a forest fire. You don't just give up because it got hotter and harder. You fight harder. You, you put more of yourself into it. You do everything you can. He's like, we were going to beat this. We weren't, I wasn't going to let this I wasn't going to let this take her away, basically. Just like the forest fires out there right now, you don't just give up just because it got difficult. And so I've been in countless situations navigating very challenging landscapes where it was just scary, but it wasn't anything I didn't have the resources and support to tackle. It was just me feeling like, like, should I give up? And recognizing not just in those moments, but having to reflect deeply in my life as a whole on the number of times like where like maybe I gave up too soon 
I don't know, maybe I should just never have given up and what would have come of that. So their story early on in this project set that tone of just now noticing themes and noticing it within my stories, but noticing it within the landscape and the beauty. Like, you know, if you look at the ecosystems of some of these landscapes, nature doesn't give up. A forest fire comes through, but then there's this beauty in what comes after, you know. And the same thing for people with illnesses like cancer. Every person's journey with cancer is going to be different. And there does come a time where on occasion you have to, you have to, it's not giving up. You just have to, uh, you have to kind of let it go. I'm so inspired by this project and there's so much that goes into it, both for those who are being interviewed as well as for you and I imagine that taking on a project like this while it's really inspiring it also brings with it a lot of emotional weight and I guess I'm wondering especially as a solo female traveler at the time how did you decompress or focus on self-care so that this was a sustainable project for you while you were out there traveling especially? Self-care has definitely been the hardest especially in the beginning because it was cold and hard to live in the Jeep and the weight of not really having funding, but, but charging on regardless. I do everything myself with regards to, uh, whether it's meeting with folks, interviewing, transcribing, writing research, my website, the social, like I do all that on my own. I don't have anyone helping me. So I found that probably my number one saving grace was traveling with my dog, Monty, because no matter what, every single day he needs to get out and he needs time outside. He needs to run and be free and be allowed to be a happy dog. And that has been and remains to be a huge part of being able to balance all this. Because if I'm struggling with the weight of just having taken on a fairly emotional story, I get out for a walk with my dog. So uh, that's been huge. And uh, writing, I write every single day just a journal. So that's helpful one for the project because it wasn't until a little bit further along that I knew I was going to start taking my stories and their stories and finding the parallels to create what is now going to be a book project. Uh, It was really just because I needed to write every day to kind of free my mind of all that sound and noise and clutter that I had collected from that day's experiences because I didn't talk every day with people impacted by cancer. Sometimes it was just navigating a whole new place and the amount of energy and effort that went into trying to find a safe place to camp for the night was some big epic unplanned unintentional adventure and you're so kind of energized and jazzed that taking the time to write in the night that evening sort of helped. What I find truly incredible about this project is that it's blossomed beautifully from difficult life chapters, much like the way a forest rebirths after a fire. What started out as a one-year contract around collecting micro-stories of breast cancer survivors has transformed into a book that is currently being crafted for anyone out there impacted by cancer. I'm currently taking all the stories I've collected from my own and the stories of those I've interviewed and met along the way who have shared their story of navigating their... uh, experience with cancer and I'm finding the parallels and starting to kind of match those up and working on drafting those chapters up now 
and my hope is by the end of this year I'll have a pretty good handle of what the structure of the book is going to be because I my greatest hope is that what is constructed and what is what goes to print and is eventually published is a book that it is targeted uh, you know people ask who's this book for and it's definitely for individuals who are diagnosed with cancer and any life-altering illness uh, my thinking is that care providers whether they're in the medical profession or they're caring for people that are close to them who are impacted by cancer and then um, anyone who has a loved one that's been impacted by cancer. And again, I think anyone with any life-altering disease, because you kind of go through some similar experiences. Uh, I want them to have this resource that hopefully all these stories compiled together will just empower them to live through whatever the challenge is and however they're impacted by that challenge and hopefully feel more brave and just ultimately I guess I feel like I use the word inspire all the time my father was giving me a hard time about it yesterday but it's the one word that always kind of comes up and I think a lot of us who want to do work like this we're ultimately trying to inspire something positive and in this case I want to inspire people to want to choose to live and to not give up on that and through storytelling help them find their way to that place within themselves where they can have that strength. To wrap up our call, I asked Jennifer what her takeaways from her time working on this project from the road have been. And for her, the connection between nature, life on the road, and navigating cancer couldn't be more interconnected. The greatest takeaway, I think, is how personal it is for somebody to navigate their own life. And I, you know, playing around with landscape has been an important theme just because I'm literally driving it around landscapes and then each person's experience with cancer kind of has its own landscape. But you can have, you know, a number of different women all traveling out of the same type of conversion van, but their journey is so unique, their own. You can have a group of individuals all with pancreatic cancer and what works for one isn't going to work for the other and you know what my experience with driving around and off-roading in a jeep even with someone else that has the same rubicon how they approach the same trail or road or landscape is going to be still very much personal to themselves so it's really teaching me to have self-confidence and have faith and trust in myself that it's okay to choose your own path, to navigate that path in the way that feels right for you, that feels the most likely to welcome success for you versus what someone else might think would work for you. You know, you know, as simple as just driving a Jeep up a mountain road, you know, I've traveled on occasion with other folks who are also driving a Jeep and their configuration is just a little bit different because it's customized to what's best for them. And my Jeep is now configured to what's best for me. And we each have our strengths and our weaknesses. And it's completely okay to honor your weaknesses at the same value as you honor your strengths. Because while the word weakness might make it seem like a negative in some way. In a way, honoring what your weakness is, it actually brings strength to that situation. And it's okay that if you have to 
bring it down a gear and go a little slower or cut that corner a little bit differently or actually you notice that there's another way around it's okay to go that way and I'm finding it's the same thinking and thought processes for navigating through a diagnosis like cancer or any other life-altering illness is it's okay to take in the information weigh out your own personal strengths and weaknesses and not worry about what the other person with that cancer diagnosis did. You know, you take away information and learning and the doctors are taking away information and learning and the researchers are taking away information and learning that's all coming together to help somebody have a successful outcome. But no matter what, you have to do what's best for you and you have to make decisions as you travel along that path constantly assessing what feels right for yourself and what's best for yourself and that that's okay because it's what feels good for you even though you're going to meet resistance along the way whether it's on an actual trail and you meet resistance and you have to refigure or whether it's people in your life who are like no but this is what you should do and maybe they're right but if it doesn't feel right chances are the outcome is going to be more positive and more successful when you listen to that little voice of what feels right or wrong and then owning that, finding confidence in it, and then feeling brave and strong enough within yourself to venture forward in what feels like the right path for yourself. Thanks so much to Jennifer Langell for taking the time to share her thoughts and stories from the road and those impacted by cancer. As you heard on the show, Jennifer is working on self-publishing a book based on this compelling project, and it needs your support in order to continue thriving. If you want to learn more and find out how you can support her efforts, visit www.photosthatunite.com. We'll have this link and more in our show notes so you can get connected. Thanks again to our sponsor, Deuter. We'll see you next week. But if you want to stay inspired with on-the-road stories and content between now and then, make sure you find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support by searching for Women on the Road podcast. Also, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Lastly, if you like stories of adventurous women, chances are you'll like our sister podcast, She Explores. You can find the She Explores podcast by visiting www.she-explores.com slash podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Music is by Drew Barefoot, Josh Woodward, and Heisen. Women on the Road is edited in partnership with Gail Straub and produced by She Explores.